Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. I have an exciting episode for you today. As always, we absolutely love to cover anything to do with live theater, and I have two individuals with me today by the name of Jess Wood and Rachel Murray, who are involved with a fascinating new play out and about on the scene called The Best Punk Band in Conway, Missouri. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming on the show today. Yay. Thanks for having us, Ken. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm I'm super excited. I'm a big fan of any type of theater. Uh, and I, I have to admit, uh, I haven't gotten out to as much of it uh, in the last couple of years. I can't think of a good reason why that didn't happen. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, in looking at the two of you, uh, uh and your histories just it, it struck me as very interesting. You both come from very different backgrounds, and that always makes for some some fun dynamics. And I wanted to start uh, specifically with Jess because I am an absolute fan of theater, but I'm also an absolute fan of stand-up comedy. And with you being uh, a comedian, that fits right into my wheelhouse. And I wondered, how did you get into comedy and how is that transitioning into live theater? Well, thanks for asking, Ken. Um, I had an actress mom growing up in LA, uh, in Hollywood, California. And she did theater every summer at a place called Padua Hills Playwrights Festival, which if you're really deep diver of theater stuff it's gnarly it's like marie irene forness and sam shepherd and all these pretty intense people so i kind of grew up with that as a kid but then i really rebelled pretty hard because it was a wild upbringing and i was a punk i was a full-on punk rocker i hung out with gang members <laughs> like i was like wild in the streets running <laughs> running and i uh came to new york as a high school dropout and um, I got immediately hooked on heroin because I was really excited how easy it was to get in the 90s in the Lower East Side. And I, unfortunately, as heroin does, lost all the stuff and then really was bad off. And I ended up getting a job at the comic strip, which, as you know, as a fan of comedy, the comic strip live, Upper East Side, New York City. And they, at least in the 90s, would hire really anyone to, to waitress there. And I, was a, and I was a fan of comedy like yourself. And I thought, you know what? I like comics. I like comedy. Let me go and try to get a job. So long story longer, I met a comic there who really kind of took a liking to me. I mean, sure, wink, wink. But also he saw something funny about me and because I grew up with gang members and crazy people I often did their characters as in just in life I kind of would fool around with people and do characters to them and this was a particular guy and getting high on heroin didn't stop me from doing characters trust me <laughs> and so he really saw something in me and he brought me downtown to Lower East Side and he helped me get clean and he took me and put me in a show that he did and he made me write a joke and when I wrote that joke and I did that joke to the live audience and they gave me that laughter forget it it was like my Jesus moment for real 
because it took me completely by surprise. And I thought, oh my God, every all the comics I knew were doing it backwards. They were starting comedy, then they got on heroin. I was like, hey guys, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I can't get it. This stuff saves. Comedy saves, you know? Yeah. So really that was how I got. And then I went to a comedy club and they were having a contest. I couldn't find how to get on stage. I didn't really know how to do it. And they were having a contest at New York Comedy Club and it was the best amateur African-American comedy contest. And I thought to myself, you know what? If I go and they tell me to leave, I totally get it. But if they let me stay and perform, let's see what happens. And Ken, when I tell you I won four times in a row, (laughs) and all of a sudden I was considered like an urban comic. And so with my background and all the characters and the stories, and because it's all real, the um, audiences really loved me and embraced me so much. And it was, I couldn't ask for a better uh, kind of introduction to stand up in, in that way. That community is the best, just loving and giving and um, wonderful. And let me tell you something, when you're up there doing characters, everybody goes, hey, you're an actor. And then you get all these jobs and you go, oh, my God, I was trying to rebel from my mother, the actor, and I can't I can't rebel. And so here I am being my real punk self in a show in New York City. I like like crazy. I like it now. Now, Rachel, because of her background and being in a position of of directing her, do you kind of let her. Uh, be her funny self, or do you say no, no? The words, the words in the script. This, this is what it says. You, you got to do this. Um, I mean, no one can stop Jess from being her funny self. But uh, I, it's interesting. This role, I wouldn't say, is like written as like a comedic character in any way. It's very kind of um, self-reflective by the very nature of the form of storytelling because it's an oral history it's kind of based on interviews with these people and kind of their um recalling uh how they felt in different moments in their lives and so it's been a really interesting um kind of um coming to it to the material together and just you know as a writer comes with so many ideas and and perspectives of like how you know dramaturgically um, what the arc of the character might be. And so that's been really helpful, I think, to Kirby, uh, the playwright, in doing rewrites of, of the script. So um, it's been great. Well, you specifically, Rachel, from everything I've seen, you, you've worn a lot of hats between writing, directing, and uh, producing, everything else. Um, I had to ask one specific thing. I get comedy. Sure. I've seen a lot of that. But uh, an intimacy director. That is something that maybe the listeners may not know so much about. What is that and how does that apply to what you do? Yeah, so uh, I, I think it's probably more established as the role of intimacy coordinator in film and TV, um, but still I think relatively new as a formalized position uh, in the last maybe five to 10 years. Um, and I think still in theater, kind of trying to figure out what the how, how the role kind of interacts with, um, you know, kind of the time honored um, production schedule. And so um, I kind of came to the work because um, 
I mean, truthfully, the, the theater industry is kind of set up in a very hierarchical way. And as a director, uh, you know, I was kind of moving through that and figuring out, you know, because actors are trained to be, you know, do whatever you want. And a lot of times I prefer, I much prefer having a dialogue and getting an, a, a true collaboration and more of a lateral relationship. And um, so that was kind of like always in the back of my mind of like how to kind of by trial and error as a director, create more, less of a hierarchy and more of a group collaboration. And when I took a, a, an intimacy uh, workshop back in maybe 2018, 2019, it was before the pandemic, I know that. Um, just so they sort of pointed out day one, this sort of like training that actors get. And so when you're in the context of an intimate scene, is it really consensual if, you know, you don't have any power in the room? And that really clicked with me and crystallized a lot of like those thoughts that I had had of like why that relationship just sort of on day one is sort of in the zeitgeist. Um, and so that kind of got me hooked in, in learning more and uh, about consent-based work, about trauma-informed work. And so uh, since then I've, I've done a lot of study. I was not the intimacy director on this show uh, because it's a little bit of a conflict of interest as the director. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I've, I've started to do it more and more in the last couple of years. And, um, I think it's, it's important work. So it seems like it could be very interesting in, in the sense that a lot of times some power dynamics are very clear and mm -hmm. others, depending upon how the individuals approach it, they may not even realize that they're in a position where they're exerting influence over sure. others. And sure. It can be unintentional. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just kind of a, it's, it's really interesting to have something that can allow people to see what they do from a different perspective and maybe mm -hmm. enhance things because of that. Now I expect that in Jess's experience in stand-up comedy, it's, it's less about that and more about keeping unruly drunks in line. Uh, as uh, oh, I wish. I, I wish I could tell you anything was good about the behind the scenes. We have no HR. We have no security for the comics. We have no, you know, as a female comic, especially coming up in the 90s, it was, I mean, listen, I've seen Louis' penis, okay? I'm just going to say it. I, I've seen other men's penis. I don't, not willingly, but I'm one of those women who's like, put that away, you <laughs> moron. You know, I kind of am, was raised with a loudness to me that people don't tend to want to take advantage too much. So, um, but yeah, Ken, it's, oh my, comedy for women still, ooh, it's a little funky, you know? Yeah, and it, 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 one of the things that I thought about is just like I said, just seeing this dynamic between looking at the history of one person and then seeing how that might apply to another. I kind of wonder, and this is going to be a question I have for both of you, in your individual fields, you're, you're always going to have people that you look up to, people that have inspired you to do what you do. But I, my question is not only who maybe are some of those people, but who have you had a chance in the industry so far to work with that has maybe given you a glimpse of insight uh, that, that you kind of still hold with you that's, that's really excellent today? We'll start with you, Jess. What about you? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, influences are Mae West, because nice. Mae West was always in charge of her own writing, she was her own 
character when she and she developed it on stage in vaudeville and became this hollywood legend um and was and was fine into her later years hello <laughs> boaz come up and see me and uh richard pryor on account of his honestness the truthfulness honestness uh, honesty um and characters uh and who I've worked with. Well, I'm very blessed to say that I worked with David Mamet. I got to tell you that I did uh, the Phil Spector movie and I had one scene one day on set, but the scene is with, I put a fake gun in my mouth and it's very intense. I often get hired to do pretty dramatic stuff, even though I'm a yuck a minute, you can tell, but you know, I, I have some depth in there because of all the stuff. Um, but David Mamet was tricked into thinking that I was really hurt on the set because uh, my acting and he was real impressed. And that just blew my whole mind. And I will always bring that up if anyone asks. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Who are some of the people that really inspired you to go in to do what you do? And who have you met that's mm. really kind of shared something that's stayed with you to this day? You know, I was thinking as Jess was was speaking, and, and maybe it's just because we've been so hyper-focused together for the last month and a half, or month, oh my God, it's only been a month. Um, this cast and this, and this, and Kirby's play has just been like all I've been thinking about for the last month, and I've been really um, moved by a lot of, a lot of moments together, and uh, uh, I, I think this cast inspires me. It's been great. Nice. It's true, dude. We are like a family. Like, I call it punk rock camp because, like, I don't know. It's like instantly we were all like, yay! And we get to play music together. We get to sing together. We get to dance together. We get to cry together. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not giving anything away. We don't really cry. But you know what I mean? Like, it's a real gnarly kind of take you on a whole situation journey. It's not, it's not just something you go and see usually on the, at the theater. It's for real. Like it reminds me of the old, like I say, Padua Hills. If y'all can look that up, it's so intense. John Stepling, like really wild uh, ride, but really everyone can relate. None of us are from the same place. We couldn't be more different, a lot of us, but we are so bonded on these um real moments that are life moments that are you know it's amazing it's been amazing now now does this bonding also stretch into the realm of musical taste because i've i've known a lot of people that are very into music and specifically the subgenre of punk those that are into that will be the first to point out posers uh so <laughs> <laughs> I have I've known a lot of them. Uh, so what what would you say your musical taste are? Are you fans of punk? Are you uh, who who would be your pick as a favorite punk band? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't breathe. Oh my god! Yeah, I think we should throw it to you, Jess. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, I know why you're saying this. Yeah. We have a day. <clears throat> where there is some, there is a mosh pit in the show. So we had a day where the, the folks in the cast, not me, but the other folks had never maybe, well, a couple of them, but a most had not been in a, a mosh pit. So we watched some video and we, 
talked about it and then some people did some <laughs> moshing and <laughs> and then they and then someone asked me it was kirby or rachel hey jess what'd you think as the programmer in the room <laughs> uh what'd you think and i just took a pause and i looked at everyone and i said i think you're all a bunch of fucking posers <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Well, you know, sometimes sometimes that's going to happen. You have to you have to start them off, you know, start them off easy. It's like I can see that you aren't ready for this. We're going to start you with some light green day. And I want you, I want you to work they knew, the they knew the green day. And now we're going to work back. We're going to give you some Black Flag. We're going to give you some Ramones, uh, you know, maybe some Dead Kennedy back to the Clash. Get get into the whole mindset so that you're ready. And then then you'll have a whole group of people that are the only ones in theater that all have uh, spike mohawks and uh, <laughs> <laughs> platform uh, steel-toed boots. Uh, Everyone wears a band T-shirt, like at least one or two people. I don't know if it's con- – I don't think it's conscious. I think we just have these shirts. Like Rachel will often have a, a Dylan or like, you know, someone will have a Misfits and then a U2 and a Metallica. Mm-hmm. And like I wore a Pink Floyd shirt the other day and one of the guys goes, ooh, Pink Floyd. And he made a face. And I go, what do you mean? Face? What's the face? And he goes, you know, the kids with the pink, the, the other kids with the Pink Floyd shirts. Ooh, a little. And I said, hey, man, that was my crew. What, what's up? <laughs> There's a difference when a 13 year old wears a Pink Floyd shirt and uh, somebody that maybe grew up listening to it wears it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're all because we're Gen the Gen X crew. There's like the Gen Xers and there's the twenty somethings because there are younger selves in the play. So the Gen Xers, uh, we're often what the the kids call gatekeeping because if a kid wears like a Cramps T-shirt, we're like, hey, do you know that album? Or are you just wearing the shirt? You know, <laughs> <laughs> throw them throw for a loop. Wear something just out of the ordinary. It's like bring up some like stiff little fingers and they'll go the who? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like nothing. Uh, Okay. Well, I've got a question that that stems off of that then. You know, you perform music in the production. Rachel, Mm -hmm. I know in most plays there is so much going on behind the scenes in order to get from scene to scene, to get things set, to get everything going. How does having an actual performance involved as part of the the whole thing affect the show? And, Mm -hmm. And what do you have to keep your mind on to make sure this is going to go smoothly? Yeah, well, that's been actually uh, kind of challenging because we're in New York City and Up Up Theater Company doesn't have its own building. So uh, you can't exactly lug a, a drum kit around on the subway. Um, so it's, it's been really interesting to have to kind of rent a music studio space to have to practice the songs full out. And we haven't really, uh, I think yesterday, maybe a little bit on Friday was the first time we had the, the amp set up with the electric guitar and the drum kit and the mic. And we're able to kind of run it in the context of the scene full out. And so um, it's been a challenge for sure. And, and trying to kind of hold that in mind as we're in that cramped little recording studio uh, rehearsing. And um, uh, yeah, but that said, um, that that I, we did that last scene the other day, Jess, and we were you know things are moving. There's a platform that moves. There's there's a set piece that moves. Uh, there's a scene before it, and uh, they did it in one, and it was fantastic. I cried. It was great. Yeah, it's very moving. <laughs> to, 
Yeah. There's a lot of stuff moving, but it's also moving your soul. <laughs> so who gets to play what? Uh, in the show? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as in so, what, what instruments, who's playing what, who's the drummer, who's the bassist, who is the person that's screaming into the microphone? Uh, well, Jess is, is definitely the one uh, with the mic, uh, as well as Zuzu, who plays the younger version of Jess's character. And uh, we have Devin Romero on, on drums, and the older version of his character is played by Jason Guy. And then we have Henry Temple and Kirk White, that both play guitar. Uh, no bass in this punk band, only drums and guitar. So. So like Metallica in certain parts. <laughs> oh, they're gonna love that. I can't wait to tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> Small jokes here and there. That's all I really have. Um, and just to go back to your previous question, I actually did not at all in any way grow up listening to punk. No? And actually, um, didn't like it very much at first. I got to be honest in doing research. Uh, and, uh, uh, um, but that, that's actually kind of why I love theater is it, I, I am, uh, I like the anthropological kind of research aspect and kind of getting to know other worlds and, and other people's, uh, tastes and, and, and passions. And so, um, but that being said, I, uh, I started like sort of looking into the origins of punk and got, uh, really, uh, into Death, which is a proto-punk band out of Detroit, I think, and uh, I'm into it. I like what they were doing a lot, and I kind of have grown a soft spot for for some of the the stuff that I've listened to over the the process. So, I love it. I well, love it. Our musical director Phil Phil rocks, and he is like so rocking when he came in and was like, you know, the Minor Threat song. <laughs> he was like, rah, rah, rah. and I was like, yeah. And I just was so excited. And so his, I think his, the songs that he's, uh, you know, put together are so um, digestible for the audiences. It's not like you're going to come in and be like, oh my God, man, turn it down. You know, you're actually going to feel like, yo, like I could like, get, hey, like a little, it's group, it's there's, I feel like it takes a lot from the groove of it, like minor threat, kind of bad brainsy. It, it's very mixed of, um, if you're into punk rock, you'll be like, hey, you'll notice there's different yeah. parts of different bands, right, Rach? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So approaching it from a vocalist standpoint, um, just just thinking, and, and you know, I've had limited experience in theater and never had to sing anything. So I, I've taken direction in terms of you need to stand there. You need to speak this way. What is something in terms of the actual musical performance? Have you received any direction from Rachel? It's like, yeah, I like the way that you're singing that, but uh, can you can you be sweeter? Can it sound can it sound more folksy? <laughs> Anything, anything, anything. I don't think that's ever been a direction in this no? play. Right. <laughs> it's quite the opposite. Um, no, because, you know, it's, well, first of all, let me just say how generous Rachel is as a director. And the collaboration has been unbelievable. And the generosity and the checking in with us and the, it's really, it's really, it helps keep everyone really, happy and and as a fam like i said but um the music now i'm just all choked up um 
um, <clears throat> having to sing, uh, she lets us be who we are. And it really comes out. I, I, I have sung in uh, cover bands before uh, throughout my life. And I've always had a really great time. And I think because of the comedy stand-up that I do, there's like, I automatically am just so comfortable. I mean, I love acting. I love being on stage. But then when I grab that mic, man, it's like, I'm all of a sudden, I'm just like, I'm in, I'm in front of my punk rock fans. It's just instant. And I think Zuzu, if I'm not mistaken, she very much feels the same. She has a very natural, and every song is different. And there's a different vibe to it. And there's a different way that, that, that it's sung. And it's really, a, it's a beautiful thing to watch, man. Wow. Yeah, we, we have joked, but we're not really joking that they should all form a band after the show is over because they're all so good. They don't, they don't need any direction. They know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, it's, it's a great way to kill an afternoon playing music and, it's, and it sticks with you. It's just kind of a, a wonderful thing. Now, this... This play is not presented in for those of our listeners that are maybe not theater theater files. Um, mm-hmm. It's not presented in a, a a prototypical scene by scene kind of procession over time. This is jumping around quite a bit, going from current uh, day to past memories. What kind of effects do you think that that will have on the viewer what what are you hoping that this will uh this will accomplish what 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 impact what um resonance do you think it's going to have what do you think rachel well it when i first read this play um it's inspired by oral histories that kirby had had read and i hadn't really read oral histories before, uh, sort of, but I, I definitely had seen some behind the musics. And that's sort of like very much what it reminded me of. This is uh, the documentary style um, and sort of learning behind the scenes what happened with this band. And I think what it accomplishes really well is it captures how memory works and how um, how with with distance and time, your, your perspective on, some, on an event can change and grow and how um, those experiences and being able to retell each other those experiences kind of make us who we are. And um, so I think it does that really beautifully. And um, it also provides really fun and exciting and also scary, sometimes as a director, chaos on stage. Like, and, and so that's been a, a fun challenge to try to, to, to make it make sense, but also to not lose the fun of like the audience having to kind of do some work and follow you and bounce back and forth between locations and times and characters and uh, sometimes all in the same scene. And so um, I think it's a really unique experience in that way as well. Are there challenges that that gives you as a performer that you maybe were not expecting, Jess? Yes. Um, Yes. It's uh, the way that it's spoken in a round is that how it is like it's yeah it it's it's like learning a song with people um but it's a script and so it's been you know if the beats aren't right it you know if, if someone falls out of rhythm or tuck of war if someone falls off your side or 
you know, but it's so, it's beautifully layered and stacked. So you um, also are, everyone's telling their own story. So the skip around stuff is like, oh, I get it. It's that guy now telling what happened with him and his perspective of this and her perspective of this and yada, yada. It's, um, yeah, it's a challenge, but it's so beautiful. And I'll tell you what's even more beautiful are the other actors going, hey man, let's meet up a little early and do some more work. <laughs> like just to want to work all the time on it. It's amazing, it's beautiful. So of the other actors involved, uh, who would you say is the the most excitable? Because I, I heard there's there's one girl that has like 20 parts and she's just all over the place. Uh, the, the Simone person, I, I don't know. She's, <laughs> she's just awesome. <laughs> oh, Sam, Sam is, she's the best. Uh, she does. She's our, our resident blue meanie. Um, I won't reveal who that character is, but I think the name is enticing enough. Um, and, uh, I, Sam is, I've known for, for a little while now and I've worked with a couple of times and she's, uh, she's always a bright light and, uh, a, a ball of a ball of adrenaline to quote to quote the play yeah yeah she's really fun and she's really talented as well as lisa and ht yeah. and dev and like i mean it's so amazing everybody does so many different things it's really fun to watch so for those of us that are not in the new york area that are, are going to be outside the realm of being able to see this I, i'm trying i want to create kind of a visual as if they could be there. Um, is this play intended for a smaller kind of like a black box theater kind of performance or is it intended for a larger kind of um, uh, auditorium style thing? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, if I read this play and, 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 didn't know where it was being produced. I would assume it was in a black box kind of space or maybe even in the round or something like that. Um, but we have the um, opportunity to do it in a church, in a historic church. Um, and um, and it looks very much like a historic church. And I think it's kind of cool because there are some kind of, um, in my opinion, um, religious experiences that our lead uh, Presley has with finding punk music and finding her community. And I think that's a really cool um, sort of meta thing we get to play with a little bit. I don't know, what do you think, Jess? Arenas all the way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, stadiums. Well, now there's- there's the opposite of CBGBs. <laughs> there's an interesting question on its own though, too, because you said that you had difficulty finding places to do the practice, but it's important to get the feel of the audio a church is going to have way mm -hmm. different acoustics have you been able to actually perform mm -hmm. there and get the feel for the environment and kind of get how it's going to go yeah uh not uh very briefly but we have and uh actually i, I think the acoustics are way better than i expected jess um i think it uh, i was expecting it you know knock on wood but expecting it to be a little more challenging um, in terms of the actors being able to hear themselves and things like that. But um, it seemed to work well. Am I speaking out of school? 
No, this is right, right on. And also you think about it, they have a big old organ next to the yeah. thing. There's a, there's, yeah. There was a piano there. You know, I'm thinking about choirs being in there. There's, there's kids around. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's really, it fits really well. Like, it's kind of funny because all of us were like, huh, this is going to be in a church. You know, at first you kind of go, huh, before you get to the space and then you get there and you go, oh my God, this, and no pun intended. This is for real, for real. You know, it's wild, man. Yeah, that's the I've always thought anytime I've been in a church, that's always the same thing goes through my, my mind. It's like I would just absolutely love to have a very loud amp and uh, some <laughs> distortion pedals and just see what happens. Um, so, Jess, playing the same character as another person that's playing the younger version of that character what is the what is the dynamic like between you and Zuzu to try and set? Have you tried to set up uh, kind of um, together mannerisms to reflect how you both behave as the same person? I I can't even tell you. I know I keep saying, "Oh, it's magical! It's so amazing!" I know I keep using words like that, <laughs> my friend Ken. But listen to me when I tell you that these folks here cast this show. You cannot believe that this girl is my younger self. We do the same little scritchy scratchy on our head in the back. We stand the same. We scowl the same. We have the same kind of bird. Dang, she might be a little rough around the whoa, whoa. We are very much the same. It's frightening. She had brunette hair down to her booty and then she cut it all off and bleached it and now we look the same so don't tell me there's no such thing as magic <laughs> oh so so this this was intentional then rachel you were the grand orchestrator you knew all this all along and 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 it was it was just being able to see into the future you you can claim you can claim divine knowledge yeah, well, I think, I mean, we spent a lot of time casting and, um, you know, uh, people say it, but it's it's very true. Casting is like 90% of the job. I, th I think getting the right people together in the room together is, you know, it sounds a little woo-woo, but it's kind of like a magical, you know, divine thing and, and, and finding the right people that are going to kind of click together. And so I um, am happy that, that it's worked out as it has. And um, the group of folks we have are, are meant to play these roles. All right. So now something a little more general. I always like to just kind of, as, as a person that watches the play, we get, we get to see the finished product. We get to enjoy the work that's done at the very end of it. But there are a lot of little moving pieces that make sure that this actually happens. So what I would love to know is in the production process in in putting this whole thing together for each of you uh, starting with Rachel what has been your most favorite challenge and mm. how it how it has been resolved to be the way that you want it to be in the production process or <laughs> or not uh, my, my favorite challenge has been take I mean it's 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 like taking a scene that in which we jump to five different locations and uh 
and everyone is playing 20 different characters. It's, it feels like anyway, it may not be 20, maybe it's five, but, and, and making that um, happen. Um, and that's, I mean, that's basically the challenge of this script, but like that challenge of like, how am I going to make this work is why I direct. It's like, it's the, it's the most fun when I don't understand how it's going to happen. That's the most exciting thing for me. Um, and I, and I would say also just sort of, um, the, the actors in this kind of build the scenes for us in terms of furniture, in terms of, um, you know, props that come in and out in terms of costume piece changes. And so we are seeing all that. Um, and, uh, it's been a really, um, uh, I know it's been challenging for them and I so appreciated like their patience and trying to keep straight all the characters and all of the stuff that they're holding on to at the same time to, to create these worlds for us in front of us um, as they're jumping through time and space and <laughs> all of that. So. I love it. What about you, Jess? What's been your favorite challenge thus far? Well, I know Rachel knows this. It's kind of been because this is an oral history of mine, I'm, I don't want to give away anything, but I'm kind of looming, I'm a looming uh, uh, presence. Um, and where to put the loom, you know? <laughs> where do you place the loomer? And so, because we were in a different space, then we were in a, a, then we were rehearsing and then we were, and now we're in the space space in the church. Then even being in the space in at the first time, it was very challenging, but we, because again, Rachel, so giving and, and open to dialogue, I was able to kind of process this, the space and the character and say my piece and say, what if we had her, doing this um, because I feel a bit detached or I feel a bit like, or I'm in it, but I'm not in it. And I, you know, there were these things and I was able to be free enough to, to talk it out and to actually um, experiment each time we were in the space. And there was enough room for me to do those things and now I must tell you and I know Rachel feels like this I am certain she does it's so beautiful it's so again I'm using these words but it's um, it's like this you would have never thought this you wouldn't have come in and given this this direction I don't think it's very linear what we're doing it's quite non-linear mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and and my particular lumation of it all is is again like a presence where you go gosh this is a lot of presence but what do we do with it and and we've found it and it's so comforting and and feels like this is exactly where i needed to be to in order to do this uh job well i gotta say it sounds like it will be something that will be a lot of fun to experience if our listeners are close enough to be able to have the opportunity to see this, when and where are they going to be able to do so and how will they get tickets? Uh, we open Wednesday, May 3rd and uh, run through May 20th, uh, Wednesday through Saturdays at the Fort Washington Collegiate Church in Washington Heights. 
and they can go to uptheater.org and that's theater with an E-R, uptheater.org and uh, find more information about tickets. That's awesome. Now, specifically, uh, if, if our listeners are anything like I am, I tend to follow people from production to production. Just if I tend to like what they do, I want to know what they're going to do next. So we should definitely have a way if they want to know exactly what the two of you are doing, how would they follow you? Uh, Jess, do you have a website that you use? Do you have social media? How would people follow your career? Thank you. I'm all over social media. My tag, <laughs> my uh, my tags are Get Wood because my last name is Wood, and I am a comedian. And also, uh, but Get Wood on Instagram, Get Wood on TikTok, yeah, Get Wood Facebook. Um, I do a weekly podcast called Get Wood. It's just about my week and about uh, some news stories, some subway set fun, some reviews of media things. I don't know. A lot of times these days I'm talking about the process, you know, and what comes up actually as a human when you're doing this kind of work with an acting job um, like this, where you're processing dreams, hopes, losses, wins, you know, uh, it's a lot. And I like to talk about it with my listeners. I love it. And what about you, Rachel? How would we follow uh, your next directing projects or your next productions that you're going to be involved with? Uh, I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram at, at Rachel underscore Murray. Um, and that's Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. Uh, you could also see my website at rachelwithanamurray.com. I love it. Now, there's always one question that we, uh, or actually there's two questions that we ask, and one is very general and I know is going to be easy, but then the other one is going to be a little more specific, and I have no idea where you guys are going to go with this. So we're going to end this with these two questions. So we're going to go with the easy one first. Uh, Our podcast is about a couple different things, and one of them is about the things that bring us together, and one of the biggest things that bring us together is food. So we love to know are you pizza people? And if you are, what kind of pizza people are you? Are you the uh, Chicago deep dish kind of person? Are you New York thin slice? Uh, I, I understand due to your geographic location, you might be yelled at if you don't give certain answers. But <laughs> <laughs> what about you, um, Rachel? I, I, well, I love a, a New York dollar slice. Um, but I have a controversial opinion on pizza, and that is I love any kind of Hawaiian pizza. Pineapple for sure belongs on pizza. Love it. I'll stand by that. See, you see, this is why we're meant to work together. Do you see this? <laughs> I get so much crap for my pineapple love. Come on. It's I like so a pineapple good. with pepperoni, though. I'll put, mix it up. Yes. Wow. I was raised vegan, so I love pizza. Yeah, pizza, pizza. I, I love it. <laughs> so, all right. So you've, you've answered these one. Now for the final question, the hardest of the show. The other thing that we talk about more than anything else is the intersection of comic strips, comic books, and other media. Now, your play has nothing to do with this, but I'm still going to ask this question. And if you are familiar with comic books, uh, and it's going to be a slightly different version for each one of you, uh, for Jess it will be, if you had the chance to play any comic strip or comic book character, who would it be? And then Rachel will be, if you had the chance to direct a film based on one of these characters, what would it be? Should I just go? Yeah, just go. Go. Okay. If I was, okay, if I was to play a, a, a comic, 
Oh man. Well, of course it seems like I would say Jessica rabbit. Cause my name's Jessica and she's hot and she's like in charge. I enjoy that, but I don't know if we want to go way back in the crates for this one. If I was a dude, I would want to play Fritz the cat. Nice. I think that's the first time I've heard that one. I love it. Thank you. What about you, uh, Rachel? I wonder woman. I mean, I know it's already, the, the job's already taken, but man, I, I grew up watching the the seventies uh, show as a kid, and I loved it. So I don't know. I they're they're redoing the DC universe, so it's going to be a whole new kettle of fish, and 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 yeah. I'm sure Wonder Woman's going to get reboot just like several of the others. So you might have a chance. Put the put the hat in the in, in put the name in the hat. The hat in the ring. The the ring on the finger. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Well, I want to thank you both so much for sharing your time with me. And I and I have to say that this place sounds like it's just so much fun. And anybody that is in the New York area should definitely make their way out to see it at the beginning of May. Just remember the best punk band in Conway, Missouri. And uh, anytime you have something else you ever are involved with, we would love to have you come back on the show and talk about it. Thanks, thank you. Man. Love that. Thank you.